Welcome to the Healthy Moms Podcast with Katie from wellnessmama.com. Today, Katie again joins Katie Kimball, founder of kitchenstewardship.com and creator of the Kids Cook Real Food course that teaches kids age-appropriate skills so they can help in the kitchen and eventually learn to prepare entire meals on their own. Katie Kimball is a mom of four kids with a background as a teacher, and she uses her passion for teaching to engage kids of all ages and teach them useful kitchen skills. In the show notes of this episode, you can find out more about Katie's course and get access to her no-cost three-video series that includes many lessons for teaching your kids how to help in the kitchen. Let's join them as Katie Kimball shares her parenting strategies and how she keeps balance in her home with four children. Katie, welcome back. Thanks for being here. Hey, Katie. Great to talk to you again. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So if anybody missed the last three episodes, I would encourage you to go check those out. We've talked to Katie three for three episodes so far about baby steps to eating real food, about real food shopping tips and tricks, especially on a budget, and my favorite with teaching kids to cook real food and all the benefits that has for the whole family. So if you missed those, please go check them out at wellnessama.com forward slash podcast. And Katie is back for a final episode to talk about natural parenting tips. And I've gotten to see Katie in action as a parent and also to spend time with her wonderful kids and they truly are great kids and they're so respectful and kind and helpful. So I can't wait for Katie to share some of her tips and and wisdom about that as well. So welcome back, Katie. Well, thank you. Your compliments are, they're, they're hard to hear because I feel kind of humble about my parenting. I, I don't feel like I'm a parenting expert at all. But I do feel like I have wonderful kids, so something I, something must be right. <laughs> and so well, I'll give it my best shot talking about it. Awesome. Oh, I think all of us are just doing the best we can, but I really do think you are doing an incredible job with your kids. Um, like I said, I've had the privilege of spending time with you guys in person, and I love that even my children got to spend time with yours because your kids are really, they are so kind and helpful and just I enjoy being around them. They're such good kids. And I'm sure that probably doesn't seem like it to you every single day, but can you share some of the ways that you have fostered um, these different personality traits with your kids? I will do my best. Um, I've really, I've been thinking hard about this for you because it's not a topic I talk about quite as often as like real food and natural stuff in my house. Um, so I, I definitely, like I said, my husband and I feel like we try very hard and, and maybe that's the key is just that we're super intentional about like, we do not want to fall down on this job. This is a massive responsibility to raise these children up to be, you know, as incredible adults as they possibly can be. And, uh, we're certainly not perfect. Like I know I, I snap too much and, you know, sometimes I expect too much out of them. You know, I look at the end of the day and I go, Oh, I messed up here and I messed up there. I think I, I have this unfortunate tendency of being very self-deprecating. Um, but in the end, in the end, we're trying really, really hard. And, uh, I think our major key is consistency. As far as like, once we say something, we know we're locked in that we have to be consistent. Um, my husband said, cause I, I'm like, what am I going to say about this topic? <laughs> I don't know what to do. And he said, you know what? He said, I think you and I are both very good at delayed gratification more so than most people where we see like the end goal 
And we know that even though it stinks right now and it's really hard to be in the trenches and it's like draining every last ounce of energy to say, no, that's what we said. We're going to stick to it. It's what we said. No, you can't. I'm sorry. I hear you're begging for the umpteenth time. I'm still not changing my mind. You know, like they, the kids, they can literally suck every last ounce of your energy out. But, um, but we have to stand strong. And so, so both my husband and I really work hard to be consistent. And again, he said, I, I think we're more consistent than most. And I'm like, you know, not that it's a comparison game. Like it's not about winning against the other parents or anything. But, you know, when I, when I do look at my kids in a group of other kids, I'm like, huh, they're, they are more calm <laughs> than the other kids. And, and I can see qualities that, that I'm really proud of in them. And, uh, and I, and I think being consistent has been super important. I can remember one particular time where I hated being consistent we had uh, we were going to the library one summer morning, and it was I think it was before number four was born. So I had number you know my my girl and my boy, and we were all excited to go off to the library. I think we were even meeting friends there, and something silly happened with toothpaste. Maybe he was squeezing it too hard, or he was not listening. And I said, if you don't do such and such, you are not going to the library, because I was sure that he would do the such and such that I had asked. Well, guess what? Of course, <laughs> he pushed me and he, and he did the opposite of what I'd asked. And I'm like, oh, like my jaw just dropped and my heart, like sank into my feet. And I went, oh my gosh, I can't believe you just did that. Like, I don't want to not go to library. What did I do? Like, I, everyone really wanted to go to library. Like I totally messed this up and I'm like, darn it. Like I'm the parent here. I said what I said. And if I back off, I'm like breaking the parent handbook rule of being consistent but I really wish I hadn't said that. Like I, to- I totally messed up. And it, it, was a, it was a huge scenario. We ended up, luckily, I didn't have to wreck my daughter's day. She got to go with the friends to the library. And poor John had to stay back home with me. And we did boring things like chores. And it was awful. Like It was like pulling teeth. He threw a huge fit and just wept and sobbed and threw himself down. And it, but to me, like that in my brain is one of the good examples of where... I won the battle. Like I have battle scars. It was not fun. It was awful. And in the future, I need to think harder about when I throw out a big consequence for a little thing. <laughs> because, you know, they're not always going to do it right. But I stayed consistent and I didn't back down. And it's so, so hard. But I think that's a huge, it's just a huge page in the parenting handbook that everybody needs to do. Once you say it, you do it. So you got to think about what you say. <laughs> yeah. And that brings up a good point about not, because it's, I think, tempting as a parent sometimes to like really kind of levy the huge, looming, big consequence or to, in the heat of an angry moment with a kid, be like, you are never watching TV again if you don't do this right now. And yep. then if they actually don't do it, you're like, oh no, that was, yeah, there's no way to be consistent with that. So having realistic consequences that actually fit the action. I think that's such an important point and not like letting yourself get so emotional that you throw out something that you couldn't ever enforce. Yep. And if we do, I mean, sometimes I do that and I'm like, oh, that was not, that wasn't smart. So I will have conversations with my kids and admit my mistake and say, listen, you know, mommy said this and that that wasn't the right thing to say. (laughs) And here's why and backtrack. So that's probably another, a tip that's important for parents is to let kids see you work through your mistakes and acknowledge the fact that you've made a mistake and you're trying to do better. So I, I know that my kids, my older kids, especially Paul, my oldest, like he understands that parenting is a process. And he's actually said to me before, like, wow, mom, good parenting move. 
<laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> so the fact that he even realizes that he has like that consciousness in his mind that parenting is a thing is an activity. I think that's more than most kids even know. Like their parents are just their parents and they're there and they do stuff for them. So we must, I think we're kind of making it more intentional. Um, we're, we're very intentional about teaching our kids to think about others and think outside themselves. Um, we're, we're Catholic Christians and so we pray for people all the time. And so we're always thinking about others and being thankful for our day. I think that has to make an impact on their personalities. Um, and we do, you know, we do lots of active acts of service, not the like put them on the calendar. We're going to the soup kitchen kind of thing because we don't have time and we have a baby. Like we just can't do service acts like that. But when I say acts of service, I mean the little things like we all, you know, serve each other our drinks and, and we help each other out in these, these little tiny moments all throughout the day. You know, Leah, can you get John's pants for him from his room? Or can you help someone do this? Or we're just constantly encouraging our kids to help each other as siblings. Um, and I think that's part of, I mean, it's part of having four is you just have to. Like if you just have one or two, you might have to work harder to make that happen. Whereas if you have four, it's like, oh my gosh, please, somebody help somebody else. <laughs> And so it's it's uh it's kind of a, it's a good thing though because they end up they end up thinking about others and getting through that egotistical phase that self-centered phase of childhood a little faster because it's a very consistent part of our family culture that we think about we think about other people we think about our impact on the world uh, one thing that drives me nuts you ever go to like a family gathering or party or potluck and you see a child with their plate like loaded up with food that they'll never eat. And the kid takes a couple bites and they're distracted by their cousins running around and they run off and the whole plate of food gets thrown away. And I like, that just, that totally kills me. And I, and I contrast that with my kids where we like, we talk all the time about taking only what you can eat or trying a few bites. You can always go back for seconds and, and not wasting, you know, if my kid did load up their plate, I would probably eat it <laughs> because I can't stand, I can't stand wasting food. So I think we do, again, we create a lot of family culture things and like, being conscious of the world around us and being conscious of of people around us and how our actions affect other people. And so they're not really uh, specific strategies. It's not like we have buzzwords for these things. It's just the way we talk. It's just the way we do things. Yeah, and I love the, the just the small acts of service for each other because I think that's one of those things as a parent that you can genuinely praise and feel good about every single time. Like in the last episode you talked about with kids cooking that when they develop an actual skill, they get to take ownership of that and they feel so good and it builds their self-esteem. And you can actually say things like, wow, you did a great job chopping that or whatever it was. And they can feel good about that. And it's not just like, oh yeah, pretty picture that you colored. And I think that's another great example is when they're helping out their sibling. There's never a time when you can't genuinely say like, I really appreciate that you just did that for your sibling or thank you for helping out your little sister or whatever it was because you as a parent do actually really appreciate that. And because you're seeing your kid develop that virtue and it's really neat to see as a mom. It is. And we have, we call it the trickle down parenting and do it right the first time. So if you're going to have multiple kids, like spend a lot of time with that first one because I, I constantly catch my older kids literally teaching stuff to my little ones. And whether it's like kitchen skills, I know my daughter has taught the one below her, my younger son, um, some of her teaching, her, some of her kitchen skills that she learned in the cooking class and she'll start teaching them to him. Or like the other day she was teaching our 18 month old how to wash his hands. 
here, here's what we do. We sing the EBCs. You do it every time. You do that. I'm like, oh my gosh, she is helping to raise him. This is so wonderful. So trickle down parenting, man. If you get the top one right, <laughs> it just kind of falls down and you don't have to do quite as much work on the rest of them. It's true. Yeah. And just because that kind of like you said, the family culture and the positive peer pressure kind of just encourages it more easily. And I think that and watching my kids read to their younger siblings are some of the most special moments as a mom, just to watch that. You're just like, wow, it's amazing. Oh, you're so right. Um, So you actually are a teacher and you taught school before having children. Is that right? I did. Yeah. A couple of years in third grade. Okay. So has this shaped the way you parent at all? Or can, do you have any advice from a teacher's perspective that would relate to parenting? Yeah, you know, I think because I had spent a lot of time with children, I learned the value of consistency before most parents probably do. You know, I mean, you hear it, you read it in the in the parenting books or whatever, but when you have your first child, there's so much to think about and there's so many different ways of discipline or whatever. But at the very least, that I wonder if that gave me a leg up because I knew how vital it was because I'd seen what happens when kids don't believe you. You know, if you're not consistent, that's the risk is that you'll say something and they don't believe that you're going to follow through. Therefore, your words are null. And so I totally understood that. Um, And I think also being a teacher, like I'm very academically minded and I have really high expectations for my kids right from birth. Um, We talked when we were talking about grocery shopping in maybe two episodes ago, we talked about the value of talking to your kids all the time. And, and so I've always talked to my kids and I don't really rely too much on kid language. You know, I, I'm not afraid to use big words around them and we, we do so much reading and make it fun so that, you know, they want to read all the time. And we do so much conversation about the world, right? So I, I don't know that being a teacher made me do like certain activities, but I think the fact that I have a teacher's heart and a teacher's mind has helped me to teach my kids how to learn and how to be like curious about the world, how to ask questions and, you know, look for answers and kind of dissect things and the value of like of conversation and of talking about what you don't understand just because that's kind of what we do. Like that's, that's naturally what I do as a teacher is looking at the world and what can I learn about this today? And so, so I think that has, has created a lot of my kids um, ability to learn, I guess, as far as, you know, they're, they're pretty good. They're pretty good learners in school because they know how to learn and how to be a good questioner and a, and a good curious kind of creative person and not just, not just following, you know, one, two, three, four instructions, but thinking about what can I do with this and how can I, how can I learn about the world? Yeah, that's a good point. And I can say from a homeschooling mom's perspective that I have so much respect for, for teachers who have a whole classroom full of kids, because I, on days, at least feel like I have the hang of teaching my own kids. I I always say, I don't think moms ever have days where we're just like, I did spectacular today. I totally have this motherhood thing down, but I have days where I feel pretty good about it. Um, but then I think about having like a classroom of 20 kids, the same age. And I just have so much respect for teachers because that's a completely different animal. So that's some really good advice. And I think, um, as a homeschooling mom, my kids are always home. So I don't even think about it, but this is the time of year when, my friends who have kids in school start going, oh my gosh, the kids are almost home for the summer. And usually by the end of summer, they're going, I don't know how you do this with your kids home all day long. Um, But it made me think about 
with summer vacation, you do have kids home all day, and most parents don't just want to park them in front of the TV. And you have something called a summer vacation survival kit. So can you talk about this and give us some ideas and tips of what you do with your kids during summer break? Sure. What's kind of funny about the summer vacation survival kit is it's not it's not really my personality. Like it's 20 things that you can do with your kids and and it ranges from a couple recipes to some crafts to some games and stuff like that. Um but it grew out of a kit that I had created when I was still a teacher for an auction that our school had and I made the kit with like all the supplies you would need in it and put that in the auction. Um and it, and it was called like the rainy day, snow day, summer survival kit or something. So you're just, you're just ready. Like if the kids are suddenly home and you weren't prepared. Um, but I do, I try to push myself a little bit in the summer out of my comfort zone because I'm not a crafty person. And so one thing we did, it's probably been three years ago now. Um, and I can, I'll give you the link to this post on my blog is we did what I call like the lazy summer vacation organizational system where we just put some ideas of, of cool activities or things that we thought we might like to do and divided them into three categories, learning, chores, and, um, and fun activities. So learning work, chores, and fun activities. And we just wrote them on little pieces of paper and put them in envelopes. And then at the beginning of each week, we pull a couple out and stick them to a piece of paper on the wall. Like, again, I'm totally not crafty. Um, It wasn't pretty, but it worked. And that way, like each morning after breakfast, before they could go off and play with their friends, we needed to do a chore and a learning work and hopefully had time for the fun activity too. Um, And again, it like was super loosey-goosey. It didn't happen every day. If we had a summer camp we were going to, we totally didn't do it. but that was the beauty of just having these little pieces of paper. It wasn't like a schedule. We could just kind of move them around and pick pick one here and there. But it pushed us a little bit to do some of those fun things that you see on Pinterest that you feel like you'll never have, you'll never actually do, but you feel like you would like to because it looks like fun. So we've we've done a couple of those things that are from the book. But really, like for us in the summer, beyond beyond making sure that we have some routine and I like to connect it with breakfast because they're there like everyone's still there at breakfast and they haven't played yet so that's my strategy is like before you can play and after you eat you do you do this you do your chores you make your bed and um, we had a ton we had great consistency in the summer because they weren't always running off to school and I loved it like I love having my kids home in the summer and I don't under like to me when parents are like oh no I'm not looking forward to summer it makes me kind of sad because I love having my kids home. It gives me a chance to to be with them. And um, maybe I'm lucking out, but I've never had my kids say I'm bored. Perhaps they know that I'll give them a chore. I don't, they, that could be it. They might know. <laughs> they might know that if, if I hear the word bored, I'll be like, oh, I got something for you to do. I'm kind of old school that way. But um, they just, I we encourage a lot of creative play and just letting them kind of make their own make their own life in the summer, make their own pretend play activities. I, we're not very structured other than like making sure that something good and, and learning focused or chore focused happens right after breakfast. But other than that, like they're off making forts and they're playing house and they're playing in the sandbox and they're just being kids. And I love that about summer is that they don't have to be so structured. And I know they're learning. I mean, you know, they're learning by playing. That's so much research talks about how kids play to learn and to build their brains and all that stuff. So I'm always thrilled when they're just running around and knocking each other with sticks or whatever you know, as long as they're not sharp sticks they're fine yeah seeing uh, them you know, getting get moving and get roller skating and you know they, they need to learn things like climbing trees and how to roller skate not just reading and writing and math 
Yeah, that's such an important point too. I love it. And yeah, I'm excited that we're almost to that point for our kids. And um, yeah, just the act of building forts outside and our kids have actually done that together. Um, but yes. it's they love it. And it's like a cherished memory for them. And they're just really like they're playing with sticks in the backyard, but they love it. And it's awesome. Yep, and they you you, you see them. You, they end up learning so much. Um, gosh, one thing I was thinking about when I knew you, we were going to talk about parenting is anytime you talk about parenting, there's that whole like nature versus nurture yeah. dispute. And because most of the time I spend my time writing about food and and the environment, I thought, does that connect? Like, does that connect at all to our conversation here? And I almost wonder if the real question of nature versus nurture is nature versus nurture versus environment right? Like how they're born and what your genetics say is one part of your personality. What your parents teach you and the experiences they give you is the nurture part. But then there's, there's like the nurturing physical environment, what you put in and on your kids' bodies. And I, there's no way to prove it. I don't think we're, we're too complex, but I do wonder, I wonder if part of the fact that, that my kids do seem to be calm and have some self-control more than their cohort group often when I see them in a big group of kids, is it possible that what we do with food and what we do with the cleaners we use, you know, and the, the plastics we don't use, is it possible that that's giving my kids that leg up? And I'd love to think so. I have no idea. But if I'm going to, you know, throw my chips on one side or the other, I'm going to throw my chips on the side of feeding them whole food and, you know, treating their bodies and the environment well and hope that it does give them a, a little bit of a leg up on being able to have self-control and discipline and kindness and generosity and all that stuff. Absolutely. And it certainly doesn't hurt anything for sure. And perhaps you're right. Maybe the question isn't nature versus nurture at all, but more of like an, a both and, mm -hmm. and that we need to be, and especially with seeing all the rising rates of problems that a lot of kids are having in today's world, we probably should be especially focused on all of those factors, not trying to debate which one's more important, but just improving all of them as much as we possibly can as parents. Exactly. Awesome. Well, do you have any um, other thoughts or parting words that you want to leave parents with when it comes to parenting and natural parenting? I think just loving your kids. I heard a great uh, study done on dads and girls, and you will love this. And it showed that dads who show love to their daughters through physical touch, like hugs and snuggles and whatever, throughout their whole lives, those girls are less likely to be sexually promiscuous and taken advantage of and more likely to have high self-esteem. And I'm like, that is fantastic because that's so easy. Yeah. It's so easy to do. Just love your kids and touch them and make sure they know they're loved every day. And it sounds like especially dads is important. And so I'm so grateful to have the husband I have. Like He's, a, he's an amazing dad and uh, the kids know he loves them. So I'm grateful. That's a great tip. Yeah. And something so small, but that it's kind of easy to forget in the day-to-day -day busyness of just giving your kids a hug or just touching their arm when you talk to them and making eye contact. Like those little things probably do make a bigger difference than we realize on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, Katie, it's been such a fun for um, four episodes of the podcast with you. I appreciate your time so much. I know as a mama for you're very busy and I'm so honored that you would take the time to come share all your wisdom with us. Goodness, I'm honored that people are going to listen to this. It's like all my tips in my whole life. <laughs> I hope it makes a difference. Oh, it absolutely will. And I'll include links to everything we've talked about um, under each episode. And like I said, if any of you listening have missed any of the episodes, please go back and listen to them. They were not only so fun to record, but there's just so much valuable wisdom in them for parents. Um, and Katie, thanks again for being here. 
You bet. Thank you so much, Katie. It's been my pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Moms Podcast. We hope you'll join us again next week. Don't forget to get your free library of resources by going to wellnessmama.com forward slash podcast. In the show notes of this episode, you'll also find out how to get access to Katie's three video series of Kitchen Skills for Kids and find out more about her Kids Cook Real Food course. Thanks again for listening and have a healthy week.